Okay, well, we are on uh, week two of a series called The Holy Bible. But before we get into that, um, I just wanted to tell you that God's been speaking to me about things that I want to speak to you about, even into next year. Um, so uh, next month, we, we, we're going to have a series on worship. Um, with a worship night kicking off because 24 Skies, by the way, is recording a new record. We've written about 25 to 30 songs and we're fine-tuning them. We would like to do 10, but it all comes down to budget, so we'll talk about that another time. But uh, we are really excited about that. Tom, Grant and myself head over to the UK in November to finish it up there, but there's some power songs and the guys have been working really, really hard in the studio. We're also gonna bring in a few other voices as well, so that's exciting. And we're gonna do a whole series on worship with the worship night kicking off first week of November. Then obviously into our Christmas series, we're gonna do some carols around the deck, the lighting of the tree. If we can get those lights to work again, we might have to get some new ones, but anyway. Um, and then into next year, we're gonna do a, a series on prayer because I think we need to pray more and we need to understand what prayer is. I think when I mention prayer to some of you guys, you get nervous. Like, what does that mean? Do I have to like stand for two hours with my arms in the air and, and talk to Jesus? Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that. It's just about building a relationship with God and trusting Him for things. And we, we're gonna do a series on prayer. And I don't know, I just think God wants to simplify some things. And God's kind of saying this across the world. Just get back to some basics. So some things may change, but we're open to change. Is that right? If we're not open to change, we become just a traditional church really, where we're just stuck in certain ways of doing things. And it doesn't have to be the old school traditional churches that are traditional. Even a church like ours can become traditional because tradition doesn't mean boring. It just means there's certain things that we do uh, to make it feel like what we used to. Does that make sense? So maybe some things will change. We're gonna just trust God to do something special. We're gonna talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit as well, what that means. Some of you get scared when you mention that word, but um, we're gonna talk about that and just see how... Not that God hasn't been part of what we're doing. He is always leading and guiding, but just going with what we feel God is moving and saying. Obviously, right now, my mom's doing a lecture on revival and basically like God moving in some powerful ways. I think everything's been reset in the last couple of years, and I just think we've got to be our ears attentive, the Bible says, to what he's saying and what he's doing across the world. So are you excited to join us with that journey? Some of you. Okay, awesome, awesome. Okay, let me just turn my, my kettle on. Um, you'll see that in a moment. Oh, went back off. There we go. I'll get back to that in a moment. And uh, again, welcome to those who are joining us online as well. So good to have you. I just had a quick little look. Um, using our conservative times by 2.5 per device, there's over 100 people watching live online today, which is quite incredible. Uh, so welcome to all of those joining us online. And by the end of the day, uh, a whole lot more of you have watched it, especially those that maybe catch up because they, well, they're not at the beach this morning. The weather's not so good. But uh, maybe that's why they're online. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just amazing to see how God uses technology. So welcome to, to everyone there. Um, so as I said, we are on week two, and I'm really excited about this series. Last week, we introduced the series, The Holy Bible. We looked at the word holy, that it means it's special, it's set apart, it's, it's, it's no normal book. The word Bible just simply comes from uh, biblios uh, and it, it means book. But it is the Holy Bible that we are dealing with. It's the most read book in the world. It's 
on the top selling list year in, week in, week out. It actually doesn't even, they don't even show it on the top selling books because there wouldn't be a week where it's not top selling book. It is the most important book in the world and it's the most special book in the world. And next week, you don't want to miss next week because we're going to be looking at how reliable the Bible actually is. Because it's come under a lot of scrutiny and I think it's going to be, uh, well, it's, the devil is going to try to compromise it more and more as we head on through time and people are going to start to question it. And I heard a story of a guy, a group of guys actually, I think some of them were lawyers even, they, they wrote a book, going to be a best-selling book to disprove the Bible. And after years and years of study, guess what? Every one of them became a Christian. <laughs> um, but it's the most reliable book in the world. We're going to look next week at why it is the most reliable. And uh, so you want to be there for that one. And then last week we looked at, right in the beginning of the service, we told you that we need to defend this book, we need to love it, we need to learn it, and we need to live it. And do you remember we ended off the service, for those of you who weren't here, don't feel guilty at all, but we, we did a memory verse. We've never ended a service like that. Does anyone remember what it is? Your? Okay, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Psalm? Psalm 119 verse 105. Well done, you give yourselves a hand for that today. If you uh, didn't remember it, then um, um, try again this week, okay. We're going to start off this morning's message with a memory verse. Are you ready for one more? And it's, uh, it's kind of, it ties into what I'm talking about today, and it's um, simply this. It'll be up on the screen. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let's say it together. Let the? And it's Colossians 3, verse 16. Let's say it one more time. Let the? And let's take it off the screen. Where is people? Let the? Okay. But some key words there, obviously the word dwell, which we're going to talk about. But uh, the first uh, word is let. <laughs> You've got to let it. Remember, everyone remember the famous Beatles song, Let It Be? You've got to let it. There is, there is power in the word of God, and we've got to let it dwell in us Richly, we've got to want it. Our theme for this year, lovers of truth, we've got to desire it, embrace it, for it to dwell in us. And it's got to get into us at the deepest level. Okay, so my kettle is now boiled. And um, it's only tea bag. Well, we got nice tea, but this tea is okay, apparently. There's only one with a tag on it. So we are going to put some hot water in there. And let me just bring it across. It'd be a disaster if it dropped right now, okay? Um, so I'm going to dip the tea in here. See, one little dip, and you can already see the water is changing color. And then we dip it again, and then it starts to change color again. But it's not yet tea. Would you agree? Okay? Some of you like your tea that week, okay? Um, you dip it again, and then it starts to affect the water, the aroma, or I can already smell this tea, but I'm going to just leave it in there for a little bit. But the whole idea of the Word of Christ, we've got to let it dwell in us, and you can't just take one little dip because it's not yet tea, but you've got to actually take a few dips, and then it starts to change. So I'm going to uh, help you this morning, we'll just take a few dips of, of the tea bag, right, okay, 
for it to dwell in us richly this morning. Okay, so I'm gonna give you a couple things, uh, three things, and it's very practical today. Is that okay? Some of you guys like practical. And if you come to this church, we, we try and vary up the type of teaching. We do the preachy type uh, messages. We do the encouraging type messages. And sometimes we just do the teacher type messages. I'm probably, uh, I enjoy teaching and, and trying to make uh, complex things just be simple. So we're gonna make it very practical. Is that okay? So the first is, is, is simply this, and it's something I'm gonna encourage you to do, is to get a paper Bible in a translation you like. Get a paper Bible, we spoke about it last week, having the real book, the, the Bible, in, in the real pages. I think uh, the, the Version Bible app is amazing, but if you have not got a Bible, get a, a real paper Bible. I think that will be really helpful, okay? And um, if you can't afford one, Speak to us, we can try and make a plan for you, okay? And then in the translation you like, some of you are probably even asking, well, what do you mean? What are the different translations? So I just want to explain to you, first of all, that the Bible wasn't written in English. Some of you maybe didn't know that, but uh, the Old Testament was predominantly Hebrew, the New Testament, Greek, every now and again there's a, a little bit of uh, you know, something else, uh, there's even uh, the, the language that Jesus grew uh, speaking up was Aramaic, it was actually they wrote in a Syriac dialect, um, but most of it is in Greek, and it's been translated. Now, um, there is a lot of uh, talk and there has always been a lot of talk around the fact that how accurate is it because if it's been translated and translated, kind of like that broken down telephone thing, you know, one person speaks to another and it gets translated and translated. Well, you'll be happy to know that when we have a translation, it's most of them, well, all the original ones are taken from the original language. So it hasn't been translated from one version to, the, to another, to another, to another. Okay, does that make sense? Next week, we're gonna look a little bit more into that, okay? And they go back to the original manuscripts. And what's been incredible, even with the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls, how uh, it has actually confirmed even many of the traditional writings that we have in the Bible. So one thing we know, it is true, it's the most historically accurate book that this world knows. It far exceeds any other book in the amount of manuscripts that we have. We have probably 26,000 manuscripts of the Bible, original manuscripts. And what's crazy is many people will dispute other historical, well, they won't dispute other historical writings, but when it comes to the Bible, they wanna have somebody to say, and I think that's just because they don't like it, to be honest, but that doesn't mean it's not historically accurate. It is true. And we have a ton of English translations, um, and, uh, we're really, really blessed, actually, to have a ton of English translations. Do you know there's 3,624 languages that don't have a translation of the Bible in their language, okay? At the beginning of the year, there were 3,752. So that means there's been 100 or so translations done this year, and there is a project called the Illuminations Project, and they're hoping by 2033 or 2035, that all 7,000 languages around the world will have a Bible in their language. And I wanna let you know that us as a church have made a donation into Illuminations Project, and us as a church uh, have helped translate a few verses of the Bible for someone. This is amazing, so we can give God a hand for that. So if you would like to personally get involved in that as well, just go to, just Google the Illuminations Project and you can actually, I think for a minimum of $50, which is about 800 Rand, you can translate one verse for someone in a, another language because obviously there's a whole team of people, it takes years to translate. But they are hoping that in the next 10 to 15 years that every language around the world will have a Bible. Wouldn't that be incredible? 
And here we sit today with multiple versions, with the, the absolute luxury, you know, to have uh, different versions of the Bible. And then we start to get all like argumentative, you know, does it mean this or does it mean that? We're just absolutely blessed. We have choices, okay? Now, I want to help you just understand the different types of uh, translations of the Bible. Um, so the first type is what they call a formal equivalency. Uh, equivalency or an exact equivalency, which is exact word for word translation. And the, the, the Bibles that we have that you would often see at the bottom of the footnotes is the, the KJV, the King James Version. Then the New King James Version was just uh, slightly modernized with its language, the NASB and the uh, American Standard Versions. So those are word for word. Then you get functional or dynamic equivalency, which is thought for thought, which is Probably the New Living, I really enjoy the New Living Translation, the NLT, the Good News, the TEV, and then the NIV is kind of barely there because it actually could be between the, the formal and the functional because um, it's, it's, it's probably one of the most accurate that we have, but in the language that, that we understand. And since 1987, it's, it's far sold any other version uh, of the Bible. Uh, so it's, it's probably one of the top selling versions of the Bible, and it's very accurate. It's, it's a hybrid between thought for th thought and word for word. Are you with me? And then you get the, a paraphrase of the Bible, which is the Living Bible. And the guy, Kenneth Taylor, who wrote the Living Bible, actually re rewrote it for his kids to understand. So uh, parents, if you've got some kids uh, you know, that want to understand the Bible, this is a really good version. The message, obviously, has become really, really popular. Eugene Peterson took many, many years. He first did the, the New Testament, and then he added the Old Testament. I can't even imagine how painful that process would have been, but in a good way, painful. But just uh, taking it thought for thought and making it, um, uh, it it's not a, a literal translation, but it's an interpretation. Does that make sense? Um, it's a good devotional. It's a good secondary read. And I uh, would probably think that the TPT, the Passion Version, would probably fit more into this than probably between functional and a paraphrase. I know some people in the front row will be happy for me to confirm that. So it doesn't mean that we uh, say, well, we never read those. I think they're just good secondary reads, good devotionals. Does that make sense? It, I, I'm reference a whole lot of different versions of the Bible when I read it uh, to help us understand. And the TPT is, is quite poetic in, in many ways, but it does put things quite well. But uh, it's debatable whether it's actually a Bible, uh, but more a paraphrase. Does that make sense? Are you all with me? Was that confusing? No? Easy? Okay, some big words to understand, but it's important that we understand things. To help you understand this a bit more, so uh, a lot of the traditional versions of, for example, Psalm 100 verse 4, which is a verse maybe we've heard of before, which says, enter his gates with thanksgiving, go into his courts with praise, okay? Quite a popular psalm. Um, I love the, word, the way the message puts it. It says, enter with the password, thank you. So, so it kind of just rewords it for us. And maybe there's going to be more modern versions uh, coming forward, maybe even out South Africa, like come on, uh, worship, I don't know, let's, let's hoi here or something, I don't know. But maybe there's going to be some more that, uh, you know, come, uh, particularly for the people here in the second row. <laughs> uh, but it will help us just to understand it. But I want to give you a more traditional look at a verse, how it was written in, in an original English, and it's the King's James version of 1 Corinthians 13, a verse that we've heard often at weddings. The love is patient one, okay? Look at how it actually puts it in the original, okay? It says, charity suffereth long and is kind. Now the word uh, charity 
which they took from the original Greek, because it's the New Testament, is the word agape, which is basically an unconditional God kind of love. So they, uh, also being a little poetic, used the word charity. And then the, the word suffereth long is just a, a long way around in saying uh, it's patient. Okay, so, so love is patient, okay? And then it goes on to say, uh, charity enveth not, charity vaunteth not itself, sounds half German, yeah? It's not puffed up, okay? There are a lot of thths and thths, okay? So, but I just want to tell you right now, because there are some people, even Christians around the world, that believe this is how you have to study the Bible. Can I just tell you, God was never from England, just by the way, okay? But they believe that, like, this is the true word of God. It's not. It's just a translation in the time that it was written. And there's a lot of grammar that has changed since those times. So we got rid of the arts and farts. No, sorry, not the arts and farts. Uh, and, and we've made it a little bit easier for us to understand, okay? So now in the NRV, it, in 1 Corinthians 13, it, it puts it a little simply for us. And it's love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. And I love the way the message puts it in interpretation, which fits into the category of a paraphrase, which love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. It's got a bit of attitude to it. Doesn't have a swelled head. Just puts it so well for us to understand. Okay, so the first is just please. If you um, are a Christian, and uh, consider yourself a Christian and uh, get a Bible, get a real Bible, get a paper Bible and follow a reading plan. And for now, anyway, if you don't even have the Bible, I, I promise you now, I've got to be honest, not in a hectic way, but I get surprised when I speak to people that are either in this church or go to a church of sorts or consider themselves a Christian and don't have the Version Bible app on their phone. I'm not saying that in a heavy way, but you've got to have that on your phone. I mean, is WhatsApp more important than the Bible? Like, Yes, some of us are saying, if honestly. <laughs> but get the, get the YouVersion Bible app. And it's really cool because it has a daily scripture that just pops up for you. And it was so funny. I normally read from the YouVersion Bible app every single um, morning. Um, and when was it? A Saturday. We had a, we had a bit of a sleep in because it was my daughter's leavers dinner. And um, your pastors were at uh, Kingston Beach Club till 1 a.m., okay? But it was so funny. I saw some people that are part of our church. And they were like, what is, what is Hilton and Jin doing here? You know, apparently they, they were talking to each other. Like, anyway, but we were there with our daughter. And it was like her leavers dinner. And then, so I woke up a little bit later yesterday. And then um, I, I also married a couple yesterday. And sometimes I'll read the paper Bible. But then it just popped up. Don't miss God's word today. Just, just little reminders. It'll just, if you allow those notifications to tell you, just to, to get into God's Word. So it's a fantastic app. It's the most downloaded uh, Christian app, or actually one of the top downloaded apps around the world. I think they've just hit a, is it a billion? I think a billion downloads of the Version Bible app. So it's incredible. So, so get, get, a, get an app, get a reading plan, but get a real paper Bible. And honestly, please, like I said last week, don't stress if you miss a few days or just like, oh my gosh, you know when you've got those Bible reading plans and you've got to catch up like 20 days. Just, just go back. You can actually say catch up and just go back to the day. Just be free in these things. It shouldn't be like this religious traditional duty and feel bad if you don't. Okay, but just God wants the word of God to dwell in you. Okay, so I'm going to give you another dip, which is really important, is get a study Bible or a study type app if you want to really let the Word of God dwell in you richly. If you're serious about growing, okay, um, get a Bible that has some commentary with it. 
That's where I, so when I stand up here and preach, you think I'm so clever sometimes, you know, that I know all these Greek words. Well, I, I mean, I wouldn't know it if, if I didn't read commentaries or study Bibles. So you get different types of Bibles. You get the Life Application Bible, which is some footnotes and some things you can study. It even sometimes even shows you some maps where the thing was. It makes it come alive in a whole new way. You get the Amplified Bible, which has words in brackets, which helps it kind of just come alive in a whole new way. Then, I mean, even John Maxwell wrote a, a business leadership study Bible, which is fantastic. So for those of you in leadership or those in business, get one of those. And if you do a little staff devotion of sorts, it'll have some things that can be applicable to leadership. And then obviously as well, with study, you can download additional apps. There's two that I use a lot. And it's uh, this app, the Strong Concordance Bible app. And if you'll see in the bottom there, just you know, it says, when therefore the Lord, if you tap on those numbers and letters, it actually shows you the original language, the original Greek, and it explains it to you, okay? I, I don't know how to speak Greek. I haven't studied the Bible in Greek like some uh, doctors and theologians, but I find this very helpful. So often I'll go and read the original because I want to make sure what I'm communicating to you is accurate because we can get influenced by culture and society over the years, or even other uh, communicators, and I just think it's good that we, we reference those things and make sure that for us as a church, one of our values is truth. We wanna make sure we're teaching you truth. Is that okay? So I want you to hopefully uh, appreciate the fact that we, we're doing this. It doesn't make us like a little bit overboard. No, we wanna make sure that we get to the original. So this is a great um, app, the Strong's Concordance app, and then there's another app I use, Enduring Word, which is fantastic and it will actually give commentary. So how Paul preached the more glorious gospel, and then below that, it, it, it will give you a whole lot of history and a whole lot of context to the time and uh, some of the, you know, just, just what was going on and, you know, what he did and where he was going, and it's just, it's fantastic. So that is the enduring word commentary. Okay, so I think it's so important to get a Bible and then obviously read it, study it, and then the third point is to really let it change you from the inside out, is get into some kind of group to discuss the Bible. And there's, there's uh, unofficial ways you could do that, but then there's also some official ways through our church where you can do that. Uh, I know some of you are part of home groups. I really want to encourage you. And even if you want to um, make a commitment from early next year when we uh, obviously kind of start to wind things down a little bit near the end of the year, I know home groups are still running, but find a home group next year. I'm telling you this stuff now, even when it comes to reading the Bible, start to think ahead of what you want your life to look like, but find a group of sorts. Um, you can come to Bible college, an amazing way to study God's word and, and discuss it. Um, I know the guys, a whole bunch of you are coming out on a Friday morning for that marketplace morning, and it's absolutely fantastic. Hasn't it been amazing? I know some of you guys have been coming. It was so awesome. Friday's my day off, actually, but I had to drive in here to, to collect my marriage register, and I just saw a whole bunch of cars here. And that really got me excited that there were a whole bunch of you just wanting to learn about the Word of God and how we can bring it into the marketplace. And that's an amazing way to do it. And even out of that marketplace morning, Adele and I were chatting, we want to create some groups even out of that place where you can get into small groups and discuss the Bible. Um, it's so important. Obviously, we've got a couple interest groups, and there are going to be more that are going to be rolling out. Because remember, two years ago, we wanted to roll these out properly, and then COVID hit. But we're going to be looking at other ways to create groups that we can uh, discuss things, moms groups. And just if you're just interested in the Bible, get a group of people and discuss it. And we will help you, um, uh, you know, kind of facilitate that. So discuss it. And the Bible says in Proverbs, iron sharpens iron. 
And when two of you guys get together and start to dis discuss these things, it's amazing how much you can learn from each other. Um, even the fact today, you know, um, I get the privilege to, to teach you and, and you would hopefully be learning something today. So we let it dwell in us richly. And, and other ways you could even do it, I know some of the home groups is just discuss Sunday. Uh, we send out notes, Lauren sends them out to our home group leaders and sometimes they just discuss what has been spoken about because there's so much more that we can actually learn from that. So get into a group. Now, if you notice, this is now tea because it is let the uh, tea leaves kind of just get into it. And what's amazing, it's actually changed form. It, it was just water, but now it is tea and as we allow the word of God to dwell in us richly our lives get changed okay it it became what it allowed in its life and what we allow in our life actually ends up shaping us that's why friends can be such a massive influence on our life media can be a huge influence news can be a huge influence what are we allowing shape our lives change our lives and I really believe that we've got to let the Word of God dwell in us richly so that we can become what we are purposed to become. And actually, I can smell the tea. It smells pretty good. I like milk and honey in my tea, so I won't take a sip of that. But some of you like it just like that, okay? We don't have water anymore. We have tea. Okay, so that's just quite practically. But now, none of you are going to be able to do anything of what I've suggested, suggested even in the last 10 minutes if you don't understand the Bible. And maybe some of you are asking us, Hilton, please, you said this is practical. I, I just don't understand it. Like, I just don't want to read it. You, you say I must love it, but I just don't even understand it. So I want to help you understand the Bible. Just, uh, I mean, we, we could teach all day on, on this. Don't worry, we're not going to teach all day. We'll be finished normal time. Some of you just went, okay. Um, but I want to help you understand it. And the more you get to know someone, the more you understand the person. So Jin and I have been married 22 years next month. And the more I've got to know her, and uh, she's, she's an amazing woman, and as I've got to know her, the more I understand her. Never fully understand. Amen to men. Around I actually heard this story about this guy who read the Word of God, and it said, just ask for anything in my name, and you'll do it. So he said, God, please, I'm terrified of flying, but I've always wanted to go to Mauritius. Could you make a plan and like, uh, just build a road? across to Mauritius. I mean, it would take me, um, you know, 15, 20 hours to drive. It would be amazing. I could go there, you know, uh, just be incredible. And God said, that's a, that's a big ask. I mean, that's a lot of resource. It's a lot of money. Did, did our picture go up? No? Yes, there we go. Something like that, God, please. Just something like that. So, so that's, a, that's a lot of cement. That's a lot of steel. That's a lot of infrastructure, a lot of resource. Like, you sure you can't ask for anything else? So he said, okay, God, well, then my second thing was, could you help me understand my wife? And then God replied, how many lanes do you want? One or two? <laughs> Any joking. Okay, I'm going to go through this uh, very, very quickly, and the guys at the back will be, be on it. But I just want to just quickly give you a brief overview, uh, just to help us understand the Bible a little more. First of all, it is written over a period of 1,600 years in over a dozen countries on three continents by 40 people in three different languages. There's a couple books where it could have been written, they weren't exactly sure what it was written about, but that's just basically it. 
The Bible was written by poets, prophets, farmers, kings, soldiers, shepherds, princes, priests, historians, fishermen, tax collectors, scholars, businessmen, and doctors. The Bible was written in caves, ships, palaces, prisons, and deserts. Deserts. Some of you are just thinking about your Sunday lunch right now. But what's fascinating is how did all of these people come up with the same story without contradiction? It's funny, often people say, yeah, but the Bible contradicts itself. Or they go, doesn't the Bible contradict itself? I'm gonna show you next week that it in fact doesn't, okay? So make sure you're here. I'm gonna prove the Bible can be trusted. But it all lines up. It's the most incredible thing. And that leads me to believe what we shared last week about the fact that there is only one author of the Bible and his name is God. God wrote the Bible, men just held the pen. And there is no way that that could happen if you took 1,600 years of people writing and, and embarked on this project and it all just came together so perfectly, like without contradiction. It's absolutely impossible for that to happen. That's why the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, all scripture is God-breathed, it's God-inspired, and it is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God, which is all of us, may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. The Bible's there to help us. So we need to learn how to understand it, because it's actually there to help us. And so often we mess it up and we get things the wrong way around. There's a manual that comes with sometimes some complex electronic items or even with certain things within a car, like nowadays the car system, the computers are, are pretty complex. You need to read the manual, just a little bit, because often you end up fiddling and then you end up breaking things. I don't know how I managed to do this, but I got this touch screen that installed in our bus and because it was an aftermarket one because it came with a very basic one <laughs> and I was fiddling and I was out in the car. Jen was wondering where I was because I was trying to fix it. I managed to invert the touch screen. So when I touched there, it touched there. I don't know how that happened. It just got it all mixed up. So for me to actually get back to the menu, I had to go opposites. On the, it was like so confusing, I messed it up. And then eventually I Googled and downloaded a manual for it and I was able to fix it. And how many times do we mess up our lives? And if we had just read what the Word of God said first, we would have just been a lot better off. I can't talk about that and not tell the story of my dad. So do you remember when gear locks were a thing? You'd put that gear lock around your, your, your gear, okay, like in, in a car. So, so he bought this car and it came with a gear lock and it came with four keys. A black key, a green key, a blue key, and a red key. So my dad, being my dad, he tested all the keys. And he thought, well, I'm gonna stick with the black key and put it on my key ring. And then he went and just tested the black key because he panics quite a lot. He would hate to be in a place where he couldn't unlock it. That's why my dad can't close the door without the window uh, being fully up, gets claustrophobic. Um, true story, but uh, someone who's even more claustrophobic than him uh, kept a hammer under their chair. It was Roseanne Goulet, in case she ever got locked in the car. She once thought she was locked in the car, panicked, smashed the window, but the keys had just fallen onto the floor. Anyway. So my dad tests all these keys, keeps the black key, tests the black key, and it doesn't work. So now he starts panicking. He's like, what's, what's going on? Tests the green key, it doesn't work. Tests the blue key, it doesn't work. Tests the red key, and it works. Goes and reads the manual, and it says, in case of loss of key, once you insert the next key, it makes another little notch in the gear, and then the previous key never works, in case someone stole it. 
So he was stuck with one key for the life of that car, all because he didn't read the manual. But the Bible, it's there to help us, to equip us, okay? It helps every single one of us. It's not just to be heard here in church. And I know for some of you, maybe it's the only time that you hear the word of God. I wanna encourage you to let it dwell in you richly daily, even if it's a couple of minutes a day, so that it can help you, okay? When I'm faced with an issue, often I'll go reference it with, what does the word of God say about it? What I need to do to follow God's way, not my own, so I can get myself out of the situation that I find myself in. And we're all stuck in situations quite often in life, aren't we? It will change your life. So I, I suppose the first thing I would like to say with understanding the Bible and why it's there is, is it, it wants to equip us for every good work. It wants to help us in life. The second thing I would say is that some people find the, the Bible difficult to understand because of the way that it's set up or the way that it's grouped, okay? Maybe you didn't know this, but it's not just one chronological book. I was chatting to someone who uh, came for the first time last week in church and saying when he started to read the Bible, he started in the beginning and he got like to about Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy and like kind of lost a bit of track there, you know? And it's not the way that I think you should, you can read it like that, but it's not set up for us to read like that, okay? It's, it's one book, but there, there's 66 individual chapters or books and it's not chronological, it's grouped together. And maybe you didn't know that, but now you do. But it's very organized in the way that it's been set up. So I wanna help you understand how it's been set up, okay? Because maybe you didn't know this, but I'll put it up on the screen. So the first five books of the Bible, which they call the law books, Genesis through to Deuteronomy, there's five of them, are, are kind of the first five. Then you get the history books, the next 12, Joshua through to Esther, which is just very historical, okay? Then you move uh, forward through to the, the poetry books. There's five of them, Job, Song of Solomon, uh, Psalm fits in there as well. Okay, then you move forward through to the prophecy books. There's 17 of them, and there's five major prophets, and then there's 12 minor prophets. The five major and minor doesn't necessarily mean better or you know, less than. It just basically means um, uh, longer. Okay, so Isaiah and Daniel were longer prophetic books, so they were long, and then the minor prophets, Hosea through to Malachi, are shorter ones. Are you all with me so far? Because you need to understand the Bible. And then there was 400 years of complete silence. It's like almost like there is nothing that we have in history between those times. There was 400 years of silence. And that's when we had the Greek conquest, we had Alexander the Great, the Roman conquest, and then Jesus arrives on the scene. And then we transition from the Old Testament, the law, to the New Testament, which also a language change, uh, predominantly Greek, and then we had the four Gospels, okay? The Gospels were Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, the Gospels was basically one story, but told in four different ways. Don't know if you knew that. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So they were four different people, wrote it, and they each have a different flavor and a style just because of who they were and how they accounted the life of Jesus. So it's four different angles of the same story. That's why there's often, between Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's often a lot of reference between the two. Okay, are you still with me? Um, then you get the book of, of the Acts of the Apostles. So these are, it's, it was a Acts because things happened, okay? And it's a historical record of the early church. When the church first started, so after Jesus died, he established the church with the people of God and the gospel spread around, okay? So that's the early church. And then you get the epistles and they're uh, 
21, which is, so after the church was planted, there were letters written, um, some from prison, some various places, to, the, the apostles wrote the epistles. The epistles aren't, uh, isn't the wife of apostle, just by the way, in case you're wondering, okay? Uh, and those are uh, the letter from Romans through to Jude. You listening? Um, okay, and then um, uh, those are actually quite chronological. There's actually in the Uversion Bible app, you can get the chronological Bible where they place certain sections, like of the Psalms within Samuel, how it all kind of fits together, okay? And then you get the last book of the Bible, which is the Revelation, the, uh, Revelation, which is the prophecy of the last days and eternity. And um, my mom has done a teaching uh, on Revelation before, and there's a lot of misunderstanding about Revelation, but it's a pretty powerful book. Are you also with me? I told you it's going to be practical, but it's going to help you. Is it helping you? Some of you are like, oh, I'm learning some stuff. Okay, well, welcome to church. So you're saying, okay, all good, but what does this all mean, Hilton? Like, what, is, what does God want? Like, why, why do we have this? What is this all about? And that is the title of today's message. What, what, what is the Bible all about? I want to help us. I, I came across uh, these two things. It's pretty powerful and will help you understand is there's something, or it's like a theory called the mirror image of the Bible, okay? And they, they speak about how the Old Testament and the New Testament mirror each other, okay? And I'm gonna put it up there on the screen, okay? I hope it all makes sense. I, I, I put this together in pages, which is like Word, and I'm glad it all actually came out well, okay? So you've got the, the 12 tribes, okay? No, sorry, let's start at the bottom left, okay? So you've got God and is the righteous people in paradise, right in the beginning, a garden of Eden, okay? The bottom left, okay? Then we go up, Satan and sin enter, okay? Genesis 3, you can go read a little bit about that next year. Um, we're gonna talk a little bit more about some of those things and how that all happened in end times. Then two things happen when this happened. When Satan and sin enter, there's, there's two things. One is separation from God and there's chaos in your life. Okay, so if you've got chaos in your life, you probably have distanced yourself to God. I'm talking about absolute chaos, I'm not saying that we don't have troubles and issues, okay? Then, because the world was such a mess, the world was judged and destroyed. That's Noah and the flood, okay? So the whole earth was destroyed and we started again, okay? But then, humans being humans, chaos in, ensued again, and uh, they wanted this one world government system, this unity, triune, God, everything. And humans try to make it right and they built the, what's called the Tower of Babel. They wanted to get to God, but mainly because they wanted to be God. We'll, we'll become God for ourselves. So there's nothing new. Kind of see that happening now a little bit. Okay, they wanted to be God. Okay, but then God uh, leveled everything and he set up a, a new system called the 12 tribes of Israel, God's holy people. Okay, and it was about external laws, but it wasn't written on the inside and it, it didn't work. But there was purpose in that because God wanted them to realize that it wouldn't work without him. And that's why he sent Jesus. So Jesus is at the top, okay? So Jesus arrives, he's top and center. It's what the Bible is all about, okay? And now we're gonna go back down on the right-hand side. Are you all still with me, okay? Uh, I can explain it more to anyone else who would wanna ask, okay? God then establishes the local church. You're gonna see how it goes in reverse, like, kind of like a mirror image. God establishes the local church in the Acts, 12 disciples, okay, and the church, and they're God's holy people, which is us. 
And this is where we are right now in history is this one world government system where we fast heading towards, where people want to do things their own way. We don't need God. We want to be God for ourselves. And can you see that happening right now in the world? Things are starting to speed up, okay? The world will be judged and destroyed, but in a different way, like the first way, but Satan and sin exit, okay? And then we'll rule and reign, not as God and righteous people, but God and redeemed people in paradise. And that's basically the whole Bible. Isn't that awesome? But notice something, that it starts and ends in paradise, okay? And if you look up the word paradise, the closest word to it is resort. Anyone like going to resorts? Who would like to just go to a resort right now? You know, the bridge to Mauritius. That would just be amazing. You know, you're just like, oh, this is amazing. This is heaven. That's where we came from, and that's where we're going. I think Christians often have a, a bit of a warped view on what heaven is going to look like. You know, it's going to be boring, you know? We're going to, you know, like, especially those of us who don't like to potentially worship and sing. Like, what are we going to do? It's going to be incredible. People talk about the afterlife. I think life is going to begin in heaven. Because all we know is what we have right in front of us today. And let me just be honest with you, sometimes life is hard. There's amazing joys this side of eternity, but that side of eternity says no more fear, no pain, no suffering, no tears. It's gonna be incredible. It's gonna be paradise. We should get excited about it. Anyone excited about paradise? And that's what God wants for you. Okay, but as we kind of come to a close, because it's 20 past, let's just go one little dip deeper. Okay. You may ask him, well, what's, what's the subject of the Bible? Is, is it then all about us? No, it's not. We're the object of the, the Bible, because when, when you're looking at like practicalities, you've got to look at that. What's the subject? What's the object? We're the object, but the subject of the Bible is Jesus. If you want to understand the Bible or what it's about, it's about Jesus. Okay. And we need to find Jesus in the Bible. Last week we looked at this scripture. Uh, John 5, 39 says, you search the scriptures. Now remember, he was referring to the Old Testament where Jesus hadn't yet even existed. He says, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me. And what's fascinating when you look at the Old Testament is you see all the prophecies, over 300 of them, spoke about Jesus and how he fulfilled every one of them. It's absolutely incredible. Jesus is found in every single book of the Bible. Did you know that? Every single book. We're the object, he's the subject. Okay, then what's the verb? What's the verb of the Bible? Some would say love. I'd say that's close. I think it's something better. And that, if you're asking, well, what could be better than love when love is given? That's better than love. Because love is sometimes just this thing that we maybe don't understand or never get to experience, especially if you... Uh, not married or uh, you've never had this love relationship with God, but you've got to understand that you've got to give love away to receive love. He didn't just have it, but he gave it. And as we come to a close, I want you to understand this more than anything today is what is it all about? It's about God giving his love to every single one of us. He have it, he had it, and he gave it. John three sixteen. we know this so well, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Some versions say everlasting life. So the verb of the Bible is simply give. And that's why our response should be one of giving back. That's why we're here today. We're saying, God, we give you our lives.
We give you our worship. We give you our time. We give you our resource. We give you our money because we want to give back to you. That should be our response. And what's fascinating about the Bible is John 3.16 says that, but then 1 John 3.16, which is a completely different book, a little bit later in the Bible, says this. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. So the Bible is all about Jesus giving his life for us and how we should in return give it to him and give it to others. So that's what the Bible is all about. And all God's people said, amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this book. There's so much to it, and if I had all day, we could teach a lot more into it. But God, would you help us as your people just to understand it more and more, God? There's so much in it that you want us to catch. There's so much you're wanting to speak to us about. But I pray more than any of the theoretical stuff that we looked at today, that we would just understand at the core, at the heart of the Word of God is Jesus, and that we need to find Him in it. Lord, as we, as a church, you know, go forward and dwell, uh, let the Word of God dwell in us, God, that you would just be teaching us incredible principles, God, as we take the time for that, that we would understand more than anything that you love us and you want us to find you in it. Thank you, Jesus, that you gave your life for us so that we could live, not only in eternity, in paradise with you one day, which we look forward to, but here, the side of eternity, we can live a life that is, has so much more meaning and fulfillment because your word says that you came to give us life and life to the full. So Lord, let the word of Christ dwell in us richly today. In Jesus' name. And my last prayer for anyone here today, if you're here, you're visiting, you've maybe been coming here a couple, couple weeks or you've been dragged along by a friend and you're like, wow, I, I, I didn't know that stuff. And I want what, what you're talking about. I want God to dwell in my life. So the first thing you need to do is um, pray a prayer. And I'm gonna pray it with you along with everybody else so we won't embarrass you, but we're gonna pray together. And the second thing I would like you to do is to get a Bible because God wants to speak to you through it. And the third thing is, is find a church. If it's this church, it'd be an absolute privilege to have you. But, but I'd love to first pray a prayer with you. So if you've never prayed a prayer saying, God, come and live in my life. I ask you to forgive me. I'd love to pray that prayer with you. Anyone here today? You can just pop up your hand very quickly and I can just pray with you. Anyone? Anyone want to pray this prayer? Thank you. It's amazing. Anyone else? Anyone else at the top there? I can't see. Yes, thank you. It's amazing. Awesome. Thank you. Amazing. See, there's three hands gone up today. It's incredible. Can we all pray together nice and loud with those that have put up their hands? Dear Jesus, from today, I give you my whole life. I ask you to forgive me from my past. Thank you for dying on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. I ask you to come and live in my heart by your spirit. Change me and make me into the person that you want me to be. And today, I make you Lord of my life and I wanna live for you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, oh man, oh man.